Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God loves sinners. That's our, that's our benefit. And what he did because he loved us is that he died on the cross in our place. God took your sins, my sins, upon himself, put them on his backs, put them on his back, and he paid in full for what we did wrong. He died. Died in our place. Then... Three days later, says that he rose from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered Satan. He conquered sin and the resurrection. That's why it's so critical. You can't be saved not believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Despite what the world says, there are not many roads to God. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains that salvation is not just a look of the draw or a wide road that anyone can enter. No, the Bible says that the path to heaven is narrow, that only few will enter in. Pastor Bill echoes the voice of Jesus in saying that all who desire salvation for their sin must repent and come to Jesus. Only by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and receiving him as Lord will you be saved. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. So if you guys look at Galatians chapter 2, for you guys that have, if you're new or you haven't been here, real quick little, uh, you know, I guess bring you up to speed. The book of Galatians written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to uh, the churches in the region of Galatia. So there's an area, not one city, but there's several churches in this, the region of Galatia. And the issue that took place was Paul went into this region with the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we're saved because of what God did for us, that God loved you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Three days later, according to the scriptures, he rose from the grave. And our faith in that message, our faith in what God has done for us, that was the gospel Paul preached. That's how we get saved. We get born again. The people came in behind Paul, and we'll see that they're spoken about today. He calls them false brethren, that they snuck in when Paul was gone and said, you guys, you guys got to be circumcised also. So they were Jewish people that were, they were having a hard time seeing Gentiles get, it just looked too easy. And uh, just to help you understand if this group right here were Jews and you had grown up Jewish, you had to keep all the Jewish ceremonies and all the boys had to be circumcised and you had all these rituals and rules and special washings and outfits and all this stuff you had to do. And then you get the gospel and you get saved and you're transformed. This group over here, they ain't never kept none of the rules. They've been eating bacon burgers their whole life. They wear what they want to wear. They, they, they just looking too free for you. They come under the same gospel that you come under, and you're like, that just don't seem right. Like, I've been keeping all these. They got to do something else. They got to do something. I, y'all believe like we believe, but y'all got, them guys got to be circumcised too, something. And that was what was happening, that there was these Jewish people that were like, nah, nah, that's not fair. I want all you guys got to get circumcised, then you'll be saved. Well, that ruins the gospel, right? The gospel, the power in the gospel is that Jesus did it all, Amen. And if you mar up that message, even just a little bit, it's completely marred. It's one of the things that you can't really, you can't have a variation of the gospel. The gospel can't be toyed with. There are other things that as Christians we could disagree about and it not be a life or death, heaven or hell issue. We could disagree a little bit about tongues. We can disagree a little bit about what we're supposed to wear. And no one's going to heaven or hell on that, you know. 
But if we disagree about the gospel, somebody's wrong. Everybody can't be right. And it's, it's not the thing you can be wrong about. Telling somebody the wrong gospel is no longer the gospel. It no longer saves. If I tell you, you guys got to believe in everything Jesus did and you got to go do something too. I just ruined the gospel for you. That gospel won't save you. And the end result of that gospel will be you'll feel like you had something to do with your salvation while you're not even saved. That's how messed up it is. You, you'll be cocky. You'll be spiritually proud that you did this extra thing that they didn't do and you ain't even saved. And so I want you to understand the why Paul is going to go so hard at this issue because it's a big issue. People's souls are in the balance. And so as a church, there are issues that we're going to teach the truth on every issue best as best we can. But there are issues where there's no wiggle room. There are issues where we won't bend. We won't compromise. We won't give way because the, the, the stakes are too high. And the gospel is that one issue where this can't be wrong. As a church, you, you can't get that wrong because you'd be doing people a, a disservice. Amen. Now that we got that out the way, look at chapter two, verse one. So he says, then after 14 years, Paul says, I went up again to Jerusalem. So what's, this is what's happened. Back in chapter 1, 18 and 19, Paul, three years after he gave his life to the Lord, did his first trip up to Jerusalem. And now, 14 years later, he's getting ready to go back again, his second trip to Jerusalem, 14 years later. I would just point this out to those of you that are here with a calling upon your life. Something You know that God has called you to do something. I, we can read that real quick, but I want you to read it and understand that it's 14 years a long time, y'all. That's a, to me, that's a long time. Three years. The first three years was a long time. And God is preparing Paul. Paul's going to become, as we already know, he was going to be just a magnificent tool, vessel in the hand of God. But I want you to look at how much preparation went into that. There were three years in Arabia, just him, just really him and the Lord getting, getting it in. Then there were 14 years of, of, of also him being prepared for the ministry he would eventually have, the public ministry that he would have. And so... Anybody here that feel called to the ministry know that, you know, don't 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 run from preparation. Um, don't don't and don't despise the days of small things. If it seems like I should be doing this and I'm only doing just do this until you get to do that. Just let the Lord prepare you. Anybody here that's doing ministry, I can confess that I felt ready to do things many times. And then when God finally opened the door. And I'll give you a perfect example. I felt I felt like I was supposed to start this church in 1999 and the Lord didn't do it in 1999. I tried again in 2001. He didn't do it in 2001. Again, in 2002, he didn't do it in 2000. And again, in 2005, 2005, I said, God, forget it. You know, you just don't. You And, and, and this is what the Lord. He told me that, you know, I was making it about me. I was putting a burden on myself. I was already doing another ministry that he would do it when he would do it. So I said, I'm. I'm not doing anything else until you do it. And you know when the Lord did it? 2010. Now, I thought I was ready in 99, but in 2010, as we started, I realized then, I don't even think I'm ready now. <laughs> I feel less ready today. And so sometimes you can feel like, no, nah, I feel ready now. And you just need to let the Lord direct that. So if you're feeling a little impatient today, I, I hope that ministers to you. I hope you can put on your patience pants and just sit down and let the Lord continue to pour in and minister to you as he's doing. Because God prepares us before he sends us out. Because the war is real. You know, God knows what we need in order to accomplish what he's calling us to do. And God doesn't send his people out ill-prepared. Anybody know how long did he take to prepare Moses for the ministry he called him to? 40, 40 years on the backside of the desert. 40 years. That's, that's, 
that's my age plus two. You know, I mean, the minus. I mean, that's a long time. That's a lifetime preparing to go. But look at the ministry that he had. How long did Joseph go through preparation before he finally got to be a lifetime? And then he finally got to where God was taking him. And so be patient with the Lord. If God's got you in a place where you're waiting, I just want to point that out. 14 years later, Paul goes up to Jerusalem and now it says this. He says with this is who he took with them with Barnabas. And also he took Titus, he took Titus with me. And I just want to point this out as well, that when Paul was on his way to Damascus to take Christians, he had people with him. That was his old group of people. You know, his other Jewish religious folk that were going with him to go take Christians captive and put them in prison. But now, this many years later, Paul is in Christ. Paul has got a relationship with the Lord. Paul is being prepared for ministry. I just want you to note that his company is totally different as well. Barnabas, who we know from the book of Acts, was in, in great standing in the church of Jerusalem. Barnabas named me son of encouragement. He was, he was a prominent figure in the church in that area with great and great standing. Titus, we know later would be a pastor. Paul would write one of the pastoral epistles to Titus. You know, had a lot of great things to say about him in, in Titus 1.4. Paul said that he's a true son in the faith. So my point in just bringing that out to you guys is this. For those of you guys that are walking with the Lord, however long you've been walking with the Lord, question for you, have, have your friendships changed? Have the people that you're walking with changed? They need to. And something Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he said, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And he said this, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be the kind of man God's calling you to be, Timothy. You need to walk this way with people that are doing the same thing. And some of us can't get where God is trying to take us because we, we've got attachments to friends and family and people in the world that don't know God like we do that aren't pursuing, they're, they're not in pursuit of the Lord. They're, they're in pursuit of something totally different. So be careful who you're, who you're running with because it's going to be really difficult for you to get all the way where God's trying to take you with people that are pulling in the other direction. You really want to have a pack of friends that are all saying, we're all pursuing the call of God upon our life. Now the call, a call of God on your lives may be different, but when you get a group of people pursuing Jesus together, they can do anything. You can run anywhere with a group like that. Amen. So Paul's got a different group of friends now. Verse two, he says, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, least by any means, I might run or had run in vain. And so first Paul says, look, when I went, when I got ready to go 14 years later, I went up by revelation. This is important. Paul said, I didn't, I didn't just decide what I was going to do. I didn't wake up one morning, have a warm fuzzy and say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. He says, I went up by revelation. The, if you look up that word, it means a disclosure of truth, uh, instruction, and uncovering and un unveiling. It's one of the three words used to refer to the second coming of Christ, the unveiling, the uncovering, the revealing of. He said, look, God gave me specific instruction. God uncovered, God revealed to me what I was supposed to do. I didn't just go up. I went up by revelation. I want to just say that I think this is important for believers because if truly Jesus is the Lord of our life and if we've really been purchased by the blood of Christ, and God owns my life, it belongs to the Lord, then the things that I choose to do should be things that God's revealing. God said, look, I want you to do this now. I want you to do that now. Anybody here that's living like that will understand that there are times where God will call you by revelation to do things that you didn't necessarily 
think you that you don't even want to do. Anybody here had God call you to do something you didn't want to do when he called you to do it? Many of us, right? You'll like it later, but you won't like it when he tells you to do it. You know, Paul said, I'm going up by revelation. It didn't say he had a heart to go up, that he loved to go up. You know, he may have been quite comfortable where he was. The Jerusalem church was the, that was the home church. That's where everything kicked off at. They had apostles. They had leadership. Paul was an odd guy out. That might have been his least desirable place to go. But by revelation, the Lord said, Paul, it's time to go. 14 years in, um, it's time for you to go and interact with these other apostles. I'm, I'm, it's time for you to go up into this other region. And so I just, again, how did God reveal this to him? You know, how do you get revelation from the Lord? And it's not specific to apostles or Bible characters. God will reveal to all of us the things that he wants for us as you seek him. I mean, that's why we encourage you guys to be reading the word on a daily basis to we do the Bible reading plan, encourage you guys to stay in the word, stay in the book, stay, stay, stay close to the Lord. Be in prayer, be seeking God that that God can be revealing to you what you're supposed to be doing, that your life wouldn't just be random, that your white, your life wouldn't just be you wouldn't just be doing random stuff or, you know, I've been dreaming about this since I was 10 years old. I want to I want to do this. You know, I met with the, the, the youth boys this week. That's their project this week. They're they're supposed to be praying and seeking the Lord about. What's God called? We looked at Ephesians 2.10 and they're supposed to be looking at what's God calling them to do? What's God putting in your heart? And I said, I'm not asking you what's been your dream, what you hope to become, what your parents want you to be, what you'd love to do. I'm asking you to seek the Lord. What's God putting in your heart? What's God saying he wants you to do? That's worth pursuing. That's the thing that you want to put all your, your energy and effort and time and talent into. And so for us as adults, same thing. Paul went up by revelation, uh, the Lord revealing to him that he was to go. And it says this, that he went up by revelation and he communicated to them that gospel which I preach. We've gone over it each week. The gospel that Paul preached, you can find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3, 4, and 5. And I'll read it to you real quick so we can keep it moving. The gospel that Paul preached is, is this, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 4, and 5. Paul says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas or Peter and then by the twelve. And so then he's seen by 500 more. But the gospel is this. It's, uh, when you read the gospel right there, it's all what Jesus did, that Jesus died for your sins like the scripture said he would. Then three days later, he was, he was buried in the grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave like the scripture said he would. Then um, he was seen by the immediate apostles and disciples. Everybody that saw Jesus, all the apostles that saw Jesus resurrected were willing to die for what they believed in. They were all willing to die preaching the message that he came, he died, and he rose. And, and then there were 500 more people. And so in a court of law, there would be no question. You know, you only need two or three. You need one witness these days, you know, but two or three, you know, you got you got a solid case, 500 witnesses. And it's no question. So that was the gospel that Paul preached. And the gospel Paul preached should be the same gospel we preach. That it's all about what Jesus did for us. Amen. And I, I just want to pause for one moment. And I don't know everybody here. I don't know that we we. We've all captured this. So I just want to say it slowly and calmly and clearly and passionately that if there if you don't get anything else today, if you don't learn anything else here. If everything else I say sounds like blah, blah, blah. Hear this with pristine clarity that the only way for you to be saved from your sins, the only way for mankind, human beings 
to, to transfer from you know, being separated from God and to, to being reconciled to God is to believe in the gospel message, which says that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all fit the bill for that. God loves sinners. That's to our that's to our benefit. And what he did because he loves us is that he died on the cross in our place. God took your sins, my sins upon himself, put them on his backs, put them on his back, and he paid in full for what we did wrong. He died, died in our place. Then Three days later, says that he rose from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered Satan. He conquered sin and the resurrection. That's why it's so critical. You can't be saved not believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, he did that for you. And then he says, then, then I make it available. Now that I've accomplished my part, I did all the heavy work. What do you got to do to take hold of it? You got to believe. The Bible says that God gives you a measure of faith to be able to believe. And so we just, it's, it's a choice now. That, that, at that point, God says it's a choice. Everyone that wants to be saved can be saved. Romans 10, 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does God turn anybody down? Nobody down. No matter what anybody's done, you, you can name, you can give me your, your list of, you know, most heinous sinful acts. And God's like, I'd save them. Murderers, I'd save them. Child molesters, I'd save them. Rapists, he ate people, I'd save them. I mean, you can't name a sin. That God would say, I, I would, nah, not that guy. He ate people? No, that's too much. You know, anybody can be saved. You know who can't be saved? People who won't be saved. People, that's who won't be, the people that won't be saved, the people that will end up in hell. It's been said, you got to step over the cross of Jesus Christ. Step right over it to get to hell. And so I just want to make sure that we know it's, it's, it's there for us to receive. If you've never received it, then don't leave here today. Don't leave here today with a question mark about your eternal destination because you all have one. It's appointed a man wants to die and after this is judgment. You live one life, you die one death, you stand before God. When you give an account before God, all that will be up for discussion. It's not like some people believe. God's not going to say, well, your good outweighs your bad. Do y'all all know that your good don't outweigh your bad here? Ain't none of y'all been that good, I promise you. On your good days, you bad still. You know, you thought a bad thought, you smell bad, something. You know, your good ain't going to outweigh your bad. That's not how it's going to go. When you stand before God, one thing is going to matter. He wants to know, what did you do with his son, Jesus? That's it. That is the most important thing in this life, that we, that we understand the gospel, what Jesus did for us, and that we receive it by faith. And so if you've received it by faith, then I rejoice with you that you are saved and you belong to the Lord and pray that you'll continue to grow and flourish in your relationship with him. And if you have not, then I would beg you that you wouldn't leave here today without asking the Lord to forgive you, which he's ready to do and receiving him by faith. Something it's, 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 it's available to everyone that wants it. All right. Move, let's move on. So Paul said, I, I, I communicated to them the gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles. He said, but privately to those who were of reputation, least by any means I might run or had run in vain. And so Peter had been preaching the gospel to the Jews. But Paul said, I came preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And he said, but I went privately to those who were of reputation. Now, um, even when he went up to Jerusalem, there would be some of the Jerusalem council. Some of these, there's some people of reputation. Paul said, look, I didn't, I didn't confront them publicly. I didn't go to them and say, hey, this is what I'm preaching. So I got with them privately first. And there's, there's wisdom in that. Um, Paul said, look, I, I'm going to get behind. I'll get with them privately. Let them hear the gospel that I'm preaching so that they know where I come, where I'm coming from. To those who are of reputation. Why? Because people of reputation could be easily offended. It could, it could. 
you know, if, if, if Paul is at odds with them unnecessarily, it could hinder his ministry. And I want you to note this, that Paul is exercising some wisdom here. He's like, look, I, I can. It's possible for in ministry guys to do the right thing the wrong way. Anybody ever been trying to share the gospel and you found that you got mad and talking to somebody to tell the truth? Anybody ever got mad? Anybody ever, anybody, anybody ever been drawn into the flesh while you, you started off teaching the gospel, sharing Christ, and somehow you got lured into the flesh? Anybody had a fist fight? Tell the truth. No. 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 Okay. <laughs> so it, it, here's the thing. Here's, one hand went up too. No. So this can, this can happen where it's, it's, we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it the wrong way or with the wrong heart. And so Paul said, look, I, I don't want to. And, and when you do that, you run in vain. It's like, man, nah, I did all this for nothing. They, they can't hear me now. If I'm sharing the gospel and I end up in, a, in an argument and a shoving match, they ain't hearing my message no more. I, I ran in vain. I might as well have said nothing. So it's important, believers, that we do the right thing the right way. Amen. And that's going to mean that sometimes there's discretion, there's patience, there's some temperance some self-control that we have to exercise that we wouldn't get in our own way with regard to sharing the gospel. So Paul said, look, I, I, I went privately to those that were of reputation. So Lisa, that I might I might run or had had run in vain that I didn't do this for nothing. Uh, he says something similar in Philippians 2.16. Paul was concerned about wasting his time. He wanted to make sure that what he did was effective. Verse 3, he said, yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now, they were trying, they wanted Titus, he had Greek upbringing, and I got to explain a couple things. They wanted Titus to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul was like, no. Interesting because in Acts 16, 1-3, through 3, you can write it down in your notes. Paul had Timothy circumcised so that for his witness sake. And so they're both have, you know, Timothy had a Greek dad and they were going to minister in the area. And Paul said, you know, this is it's going to be a hindrance to what we're trying to do. Go ahead and be circumcised. so They don't have that against you. So we can go on and minister to them. Now, here's the difference. What Timothy was doing was, look, I'm becoming all things to all men that I might win some. What Paul was doing here was saying, look, they're they're wanting to make this a gospel issue. So we're not going to do it. They're wanting Titus to be circumcised to be saved. So we're not going to consent to that because we don't want them to be confused that, you know, that this is this. This is part of the gospel message. So they withheld. Does that make sense, everybody? So, you know, obviously, I'm sure Titus was like, thank the Lord. God. Praise God. You know, I'm sure he was thrilled that he didn't have to go through with it. And a question that's often raised is how would they know anyway? Right. How would they know if you were or you weren't? You know, uh, I come to church here. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't know. We. How would they know? And there's a few different thoughts on that. Obviously, uh, a person had Greek upbringing. It would be assumed that they were not circumcised. So they could tell people that they were or they were not. Usually the ceremony of circumcision, like baptism, was I don't know how public it was, but there was usually a ceremony surrounding it where others were present, which is weird. And, you know, but that's just what it was in that culture. And so there'd be others that could possibly vouch. Others suggest that they had open baths back in this era. And so, you know, I guess at the open bath, you know, it would be clear that you you weren't on the team or whatever. So, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but, you know, it was an issue in that culture. So moving on. Thank God we're in a different era. Y'all need to, men need to thank God for the gospel. <laughs> so, moving on. Verse 4 says, And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, 
that they might bring us into bondage. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington as he continues through the book of Galatians. In Galatians 5, Paul discusses what it means to be set free by Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law and set us free from it. But Paul doesn't see that as an excuse to do whatever we want. In verse 13, he says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you and I have been set free, and now we can love one another. Without the weight of sin on our shoulders, we are free to serve. We hope today's message has encouraged you on your walk with Christ. If you want to hear today's message again, you can listen later on YouTube. You'll find the link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can find a link to our mobile app as well. We have so many additional messages you can listen to that will help you in your walk. We also live stream the weekend services of Calvary Chapel Inglewood on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. Check us out at 9 or 11 Sunday morning online or in person. For those in the area, we also have services on Wednesday evenings at 7. Well, we're running out of time today. We're so glad you were here to grow with us. A Transforming Word will be back as we are transformed together to look more like Christ.